Welcome back to the Technology in Worship podcast, where we talk everything technology in worship. And by we, I mean myself, Eric Coleman, and my good buddy. Oh, my word. Benji Satorius is yep, sitting that, here across me. the table from me. <laughs> that was a little much, baby. Yeah! <laughs> okay. <laughs> moving, uh, moving on. Moving on. Because we are not in the South. We are not. <laughs> we are in the great state of Illinois in the Midwest. I don't know if great is technically the, a good term, uh, but we're right. in the state. We're of, in the state of Illinois. <laughs> in the Midwest, yes. In the Midwest, yes. where it is not that type of country, I guess. No, it's just flat cold. It's and cold, cold. cold January. Actually, it really hasn't been that cold. And I'm always cold. And I hate, absolutely hate the winter. But it's really not been that bad it hasn't yet. been that bad yet we had a deep freeze like right before christmas yeah where it was like negative 25 or something wind chills or something pretty crazy it was really cold but that only lasted like a couple of days and then we've been in like the 30s and 40s i'm like okay i can tolerate this for now but do you want to know what warms my heart though <laughs> hard telling sure I've been seeing feedback that people like listening to these podcasts. Yes. Which is great. That is pretty cool. That really warms our hearts. Yeah. My do, heart. We do like that. I could speak on behalf of. You can talk about my heart too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, it's cool to see like people listening and commenting and enjoying our rambles and our talks. Yeah. So thanks for so, listening in advance of this episode as well. With that said, we are actually going to be opening up a new uh, feature, I guess you could say, or a new idea on every podcast where you guys can submit a question on our Instagram account, which our Instagram account is Technology in Worship Podcast. For those that may have missed last week's episode, we had uh, little technical difficulties with previous Instagram account. So please go follow us on our new account. Technology in Worship Podcast. Podcast, yes. And uh, you could DM us there and shoot us a question or, um, you know, thank us or whatever you want to do. But we're going to open up a time of in our podcast where we will basically address a question or maybe multiple questions depending on what those questions are. Um, on our podcast. So kind of like an open forum uh, question time. Uh, it for also everybody. is a little trick for us to use those questions as springboards for entire podcast episode yeah, topics. Yeah, for sure. They, you know, depending on the question, it might lead to a full episode. It might just, you be know, quick, may, maybe be a quick uh, answer or uh, response from us. But uh, yeah, so shoot us a message on our Instagram account technology in worship podcast and we will uh be addressing those in future episodes so we're super excited about that and uh it was a cool idea that we that we saw so that a user suggested that a user suggested is yep. it is user the a listener a listener, a listener i don't suggested. know if they use our podcast they're not using hopefully they use yeah. the information they're a listener <laughs> they are a it listener, a listener or you are a listener yes. yes so uh with that said what are we going to talk on today, Eric? Well, Benji, 
One of the most important parts of your worship services is your screen. Think about it. Everyone in your congregation looks to your screen for song lyrics, sermon notes, announcements, and scripture. It's a big deal. To keep your screens looking their very best, look no further than Church Motion Graphics. CMG has all of the eye-catching worship backgrounds, sermon and announcement slides, countdown videos, and more to bring your screens to life. Head over to churchmotiongraphics.com now to find your next great look. I have been very passionate about trying to teach people the art form of critical thinking and troubleshooting skills. Mm. Because I do believe it's an art form. That's a deep subject. It is because sometimes it can be equipment specific, but I do believe there are principles within troubleshooting Critical thinking, being aware of what's going on behind the scenes to kind of see, all right, this thing isn't happening how it normally happens. It's not working the right way. What's different maybe is like, yeah, what's changed? I would say uh, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty and the details, yeah, training and teaching troubleshooting techniques is really difficult. Right. And I would say, I mean, I don't know everybody in the entire world, but I would say everybody probably would struggle if they had to like teach someone how to troubleshoot something. It's really hard to teach that. Yes. There's so many different factors. There's so many different scenarios. There's, there's so many different ways of thinking uh, that I might say, oh, this is how I would do that. But the person I may be teaching, their brain just doesn't function like that doesn't mean that they can't troubleshoot, but they might actually troubleshoot in a different way or a different direction that still gets the job done, but is not even close to maybe what I would say, oh, this is how I would troubleshoot this. Again, both ways might get the job done, but yeah, it's super hard to teach troubleshooting and process of an illumination and like using your brain and all that stuff is just, really hard to figure out, okay, this doesn't work. What do I do to figure it out of why it's not working and fix it? And especially like in the moment, service is happening, you got to be on your toes and it's not like Wednesday afternoon and you're like, I've I've got got time. I've got hours I can figure this out. No, it's like, this is, the microphone's not working and we're in the middle of service. What do I do? It's like, that's really hard to teach. So, with that said, we're going to try to teach some ways of Some ways, stuff. or just <laughs> maybe inform, I guess. Because yeah. that's, that's kind of what I've learned with troubleshooting. Um, it's just that, like, someone just had to say something to me once, and it's like, oh, yeah, I probably should restart the computer. Like, that's a part of troubleshooting sometimes. It is, like, and if it's, uh, if we're talking of a computer... That's probably step number one. Yeah. Just restart the computer. Yeah. But um, what I wanted to define, and you can help me do it. Okay. Troubleshooting. Like, what are we talking about? In my brain and the way that I would think, and in the job that we are in, 
and all of that. Troubleshooting to me means uh, something is not working. Some piece of equipment is not working and I need to figure out why it's not working and fix it. Yes. Yeah. So again, that could be lots of different ways or, you know, cables and whatever. But that's what I would say in our realm, in our job uh, as technical artists and audio engineers and video ops and lighting designers and all that stuff. uh, I would say that is probably what I would define it as. Yeah. And I just want to make sure you and I were on the same page. We are. Before we went into this, which we usually are. (laughs) But as a listener too, just making sure that everyone who's listening to this is kind of like, all right, we're going down the same. Yep. Same road. Same road. Yep. And, and troubleshooting can happen anytime throughout the week. You know, it, it can happen or should happen during a service. If something's broken and not working, it can also happen on Wednesday afternoon when you're just maybe getting things set up or installing you, you, some sort of new system. Or you maybe, notice something or, that was wrong during service, but it wasn't like mission critical. You can get by. I'll deal with it sometime during the week when I've got time is also another way that you could troubleshoot things. So that might be like where I would start maybe this conversation is if there's a issue, how important or how big is this issue? Can this issue wait or does it need to be addressed immediately? Immediately. And again, every context is a little different. But I would say that is kind of where I would start. Mission critical needs to be done ASAP or it can wait an hour or it can wait three days. Yeah, is it something you address in the moment? Is it something you address in between your two morning services? Yeah. Is it something you address at the end of the day? Sure. On Tuesday or whenever. Yep. Yep. And again, every every context and and every church, you know, that can look different and be different. So, um, you know, if let's just say a a micro a wireless microphone is not working, right? A church might have ten microphones. You just go and you're only using five. Go give them another microphone, address that microphone troubleshooting later if it can wait. If you're a church that only has five microphones and one's not working and you're using all five, now that is a little more critical and probably will need immediate uh, action at that point. Yeah. So um, take that within that context and and let's dive in uh, what we do. I think one of the most important like beginner aspects of troubleshooting is understanding how a piece of equipment or you could even break it down to like a system is supposed to work. If you know how it's supposed to work, like I plug in this video cable into this thing, it's supposed to put an image on the screen. As long as you begin like bare basics like it's supposed to do this when I do that then you're in a better spot than most people Yep. because if you're just walking into a room and literally all you know is I press space bar every week which is very important which is important yep. I'm not saying it's not important yep. I'm just saying you don't necessarily know like other than hitting the space bar you're yep. not aware of what is going on 
behind the scenes more deeply. Yeah. So you have to be aware of like signal flow from whether that's a video system, lighting, audio, lighting system. Doesn't matter. There's a signal flow. So you have to be aware of each practices. Yeah, I'm just gonna call it signal flow. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and obviously we're talking. Uh, people that are on staff at a church and people that are volunteers that operate your equipment uh, on weekend services. So, you know, volunteers, they've got day jobs, they have families, they've got a life outside of church and outside of serving in the production department. So um, that, those, the, that signal flow training is important, but might, that you know, I would not expect a volunteer to know the ins and outs of every single piece of equipment that they might be operating that I should know, right? But they should still know the how the equipment works and the you know the quick and dirty signal flow ver, uh, version of that equipment. Would you agree? I do agree, but I also would love to see volunteers be more aware, of course, yeah, of if, what's going you know, on. If if they want to know more and they're they're excited to learn more and all that. I would not take that away from them and I would teach them and train them more. But I would say the average volunteer, as long as they know the piece of equipment, how it operates and what it's supposed to do and the signal flow, you know, everything above that to me is like icing on the cake. Yeah. The more the better, but they, they do at least understand the equipment. And then we have to also remember that there are amazing people listening to this podcast who are pr- church production volunteers. Yeah. And they're doing roles that you and I get to do. Yep. Serving as a volunteer. So mm-hmm. thank you for everything that you guys are doing. Yeah, for there. sure. Um, let's, let's talk, let's just go like audio right now. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, let's and let's within that do audio troubleshooting. I would say most of the time when you arrive at the church, if you don't basically have a routine of what you do every single weekend and you miss a step, chances are you might have things that don't work. Right. I would say if you walk in and you line check, you hook up everything, you line check everything all before the band ever shows up. The band shows up, they plug in. And at that point, you should have a signal because you've done your line check, you've done your patching and all that stuff long before they've ever showed up. Right. Right. If you skip that part, and your band member shows up, they plug in, and it doesn't work. You don't have anything to base You've your troubleshooting. You've got so much more things that are now introduced into the signal chain that you don't know if that part works or not. So uh, I heard this at a, and I'm going to probably flub this a little bit, but I uh, heard this at MixU at one of the conferences where what... I would say a lot of churches do is line check is actually sound check. sound check. 
sound check is actually um I want to say they the, the ser- first service. Like they don't, I think they skipped the term rehearsal. Maybe I, I, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to mess it up a little bit, but in other words, we're always acting and working like one or two steps behind. And that's not just the production department. That's the band as well. And that could be lead pastors, worship pastors and staff members. Uh, I would say a lot of churches think as their first service as their rehearsal or their practice. Yeah. And uh, when I came on staff at Mission, that was kind of the lingo of our Saturday service was our rehearsal. And I'm like, no, let's get that out of our lingo like yesterday because people are attending that service. Yeah. That's their only service that they are attending. They're not coming back on Sunday and attending a service like this is church for them and we need to treat it as a church service. So what you do now is, you know, you're working all these steps that you should have done long before the band ever showed up and long before the the band ever started playing and long before the actual first service started. So line check it. Well, let's back up a little bit more. Um, you arrive and you should have a input list or some sort of, this is who is playing, whether that comes from planning center or an Excel sheet or a Word document, whatever it might be. Basically, these are the band members. This is the instruments that they're playing. These are who is singing, uh, maybe who is speaking throughout the service. Basically, all that type of stuff you should have. Then you need to start laying out your soundboard for that stuff. So whether that's adding channels to your board that you might not have used the previous week or moving channels around to create room for uh, two electric guitars versus last week you had one electric guitar, things like that. And then once you get everything laid out on your board, you patch everything, get all your input set, then you go hook up your band up on stage And then you do what they call a line check. A line check is nothing special than to make sure that you are getting a signal down the signal chain. That's it. That's it. All you got to see is, do I have signal? You don't need to learn how to play bass guitar to line check the bass guitar input. You don't even have to play an instrument to check the line. This is usually done a lot easier with two people. It can be done with one person, but... Let's say you had two people, one in the booth, one person up on stage. So basically what they're doing is they pick up the, let's just say it's an instrument cable for a guitar. You pick up the cable and you tap the end of the cable. You should see a signal on your board or at least hear like a little click or a little pop. Obviously, if it's a microphone, you can actually speak into the microphone. If it's keys, like electric keys, you can turn the keyboard on and play a couple of uh, keys. If you don't know how to turn the keyboard on, you can unplug it from the keyboard and do the, the tap. Same thing as, as your cable. And that right there will make your troubleshooting so much faster if and when things don't work, when the band shows up. 
because now you've just line checked everything. So that confirms that cables are good and your patching is good and your soundboard, like your soundboard patching is good. So, um, and then your band shows up, then you do a sound check to make sure like the instruments are now working when they plug in. If they're not, chances are it's probably the instrument because you've just line checked everything. And then you do rehearsal, which is the band is actually playing together. I like to use the word rehearsal and not practice. Right. It's not a practice. Practice is what you're doing on your own time at home. So that's practice. They come to church and they rehearse what they have practiced. Yes. Then rehearsal is over and you have a break or whatever until your service. And that is your service, service. <laughs> not your rehearsal time. So, yeah. Now, now that I'm actually just talked all, the, all of that through, I think I remember what makes you used to say. So their line check is their sound check. And their sound check is rehearsal. And the rehearsal is the first service. Yeah. So. And they were saying that's wrong. Totally that's, wrong. That's not a good mentality. No, practices at home, by yourself or whatever. Rehearsal is you're now all together as a band and vocal group. And you're rehearsing what you have practiced. And in order for that to be effective, as a sound technician, we should have already done a sound check. And yep. before that, a line check. Yep. And during rehearsal is when the production team is also rehearsing. rehearsing. So not practicing. I, I like to challenge my production team to practice at home during the week for whatever job that they're doing. Just because they're not on stage leading and playing an instrument doesn't mean that they cannot practice at their house. And also because they don't necessarily have a soundboard at their house in their basement or whatever. Yep. Doesn't mean that you can't be like listening to the yeah. songs yep. and being aware of, okay, at this section is electric guitar solo. This section's uh bassoon solo. Bassoon solo. Yeah, whatever. I've never had a bas- bassoon solo. I haven't either. But, but anyways, uh yeah. So you know, as audio engineers and uh, camera operators and video switcher operators, you listen to the songs and you're like, okay, there's going to be an instrumental after chorus two or whatever it might be. And that's going to be led most likely by the electric guitar or drums or bass, whatever it might be. So listening to those songs, that's your practice time. So when you show up at church to run sound, run pro presenter, run cameras, run the video switcher, you have an idea of what the song is going to sound and look like. Sure, maybe the the your church might change the order or they might, you know, have a smaller band than maybe what the recording had. Or maybe you are going to do it completely different. I would say most of the time we we mimic close to whatever version our worship pastor sends out for the band to practice and listen to. So we can get a 
good idea of how the band is going to perform that and how the singers are going to sing that. So then we show up. Now we kind of know like, okay, this is what I remember hearing on this particular song. The band is trying to recreate that. Therefore, as an audio engineer, I need to try to recreate what they're giving me to, re- to what I remember hearing in the recording. And that just takes a lot of stress and a lot of just gives you a lot of ease, takes stress off your plate when you kind of know what the band is trying to do before the band is actually doing it. So all this stuff leads up and hopefully you've done your line check, your patching. So that is a lot easier troubleshooting. You've, you've eliminated a lot of the signal flow or signal chain to now it's probably the instrument that is not actually working. And then you always get the guitarist that says, well, it worked at my house. Right. Okay. Your battery's dead, well, sir. You left it plugged it's in. It's not working here. So let's figure that out and we'll get you going. So um, I would say another quick and dirty, easy way Hopefully, you've done the line check. If you haven't done the line check, that's homework right away. Start doing line checks. Line check. Before, some, before rehearsal, not during rehearsal. Before the band shows up. Yeah. Yes. Don't show up like five minutes before the band is showing up. You're not going to get a line check done in, in that amount, amount of time. time. Anyways, let's just say you skipped line check because you were bad this week and you were running late and you got stuck behind a train and forgot dinner and all this stuff. You forgot line check. You show up late, band shows up, acoustic, let's just say acoustic guitar plugs in, it's not working. You're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Here's a very quick and easy thing that I do uh, to do a quick line check. I mute the channel and I say unplug. And then if they unplug, you should get a signal or a pop in the system. Therefore, mute the channel so you don't pop your speakers and you should get a signal when they do that. If you don't, chances are it's probably a bad line in your signal flow. It's got nothing to do with the guitar itself because even with like a dead battery, you'll still get a pop when they unplug. Yeah. If you get a pop or a signal, therefore, it's probably the guitar. So that's a quick and easy way to do like an acoustic guitar, bass guitar, electric guitar. Our drums and keys never unplug and move. Like they stay at church and things like that. So those are a little easier to line check because those cables never move. They're always plugged in. Now I still line check all that stuff, but um, it's a little easier because they're just always there and always hooked up and always ready to go. Microphones, pretty simple to line check. You turn the microphone on or you plug it in if it's wired and you talk in it. Boom. So A helpful tip, I would say, too, is just setting up your board for your board and infrastructure for the max you can do kind of thing. So, for instance, I've set up our soundboard for three I could potentially do three electric guitars or something like that mm-hmm. we usually only have two but then I'm using the same moral of this is I'm just saying like 
same channel for that instrument week to week versus if there's anyone out there who's kind of changing like electric guitar is on channel two this week and next week it's on 15. First of all, your electric guitar should never, ever, ever be on channel two. I don't know why it would be unless that was the only instrument, maybe, a vocal in a guitar. Why not number one then? Because maybe your vocal's (laughs) on one. I don't know. (laughs) But I'm just saying in general, like it helps if you have a a pattern set up that things are already laid out that way. We don't do it that way, but that's not a bad idea. It also depends on your board and if you have the ability to set it up that way. Right. So we we do have the ability and the channel count to do it that way. We don't, uh, but I use the move feature that Yamaha boards have where I'll set up a, a channel and then I'll move it and it kind of shifts everything after that. Including the... One. So Dante's everything stuff. just moves over. Oh, yeah. So that's cool. That's usually what I do. If I have to like get an uh, input in the middle of somewhere, I'll, uh, I'll move it. And I don't have that feature. Everything so over. I had to so, think of a way but that to... works too. But everyone out there listening, uh, you're probably like, Oh, what should be on channel two? Cause he said, guitar should never be on channel two. What should be on channel two? Black. Well, I'm talk- <laughs> we're, we're talking audio, first of all. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, channel two should either be... Uh, kick two your or kick snare one. Or snare. And there you go. For us, it's snare top mic. We only run one kick Same. mic. But anyways, uh, let's, let's uh, maybe talk video real quick. Troubleshooting? Uh, I wanted to hit one more thing with uh, troubleshooting and audio, and it really applies to every area. But just a simple cable swap, too. Like every Mm. once in a while, a cable does go bad. Mm. And during your line check, this is when you would find this out, hopefully, um, that your cable's bad, or maybe if you're in a portable solution system, it's just plugged into the wrong place kind of thing. Yep, that happens a lot. Like, uh, instead of an output on a DI, you know, the quarter inch or something, it's plugged into an input. Um, Little things like that. Or not plugged in all the way. Or not plugged in. I've seen that so many times. Not necessarily with XLR cables, but quarter-inch cables. The guitarist will plug their quarter-inch cable into the direct box, and it like is sticking out like a quarter of an inch. Yeah. Or I've plugged the cable in for the guitarist during my line check, right? And they come in and, you know, they hook it up, but then they move their guitar, they put it down and they're moving around. It might come unplugged a quarter of an inch and now all of a sudden it's not working. So yeah, knowing like where your connections are, if you have multiple connections in the signal chain. Yeah, because it's not always microphone cable to soundboard right there's other pieces in between yep so kind of knowing where those connection points are kind of making note of those during line check of like okay this is this is where my direct box is or this is my xlr whatever um to then quickly reference okay it's not working let's run up there real quick take a look at those 
four connection points or two connection points, yeah. whatever it might be, and just double check everything's plugged in and boom. Obviously, XLRs lock in. So those usually once they're snapped in, they're not coming undone unless you, well, I take the back. One side usually locks in. Yes. Depends on your stage box. Some stage boxes it do lock, lock the in. other in. Yeah. But it's usually like, yeah, your quarter inch cable might be out just a, just a hair. But yeah, cable swap is really quick and easy typically depending on which the, which one the cable is. And so, another kind of overall general philosophy with troubleshooting or rule of troubleshooting is kind of working your way back backwards from the most recent place you know it worked. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So that's that's what Benji was saying. That's what you were saying about the you did your line check with the cable before the guitarist showed up. Yep. And it worked. And it worked. Yep. So then you know okay. I'm not going to start the soundboard no. when the guitar is not working when they show up because I know it worked up on stage. Yes. So I'm now going to start at most likely the source at this point. And work my way back. Yeah. So another really quick thing that I've done is, um, like the let's just say the bass channel doesn't work. I'll just have the acoustic guitar that is over here strumming, and I'm getting a nice strong signal. I know it works. I'll take the line from that and plug it into the bass, or the bass line that doesn't appear to be working plug and plug in it into the acoustic, just to see like, okay, is it the instrument? Is it the source? Or is it the the cable or somewhere down the line. And that's what a lot of troubleshooting is too, is yep. just like, okay, I know this other thing works. It's a very similar setup. Yep. What if I put this on that system and yeah. see what happens? Yeah. I would say all of this stuff that we've talked about, most of the time, if you do your line check, you are not going to have a problem. You're not going to have to do troubleshooting. With people ex around. Except for the sources or the instruments because everything has worked, right? Yeah. Unless something happened, you know, cable got ran over or, you know, whatever. But chances are, one, you've just took your troubleshooting down like drastically as far as the time that it would take to troubleshoot. Um, but you probably won't even have to troubleshoot because chances are their guitars are going to work because they worked at their house 10 minutes before they got there and when they were playing. Um, and you've line checked everything. Let's quickly talk before we jump to the video. Yeah. What would you do? Ooh. Okay. Don't say it. Okay. I will. The pastor is coming out for his message. You sound checked their microphone and it worked. They come out and it is working. But halfway through the service, it starts maybe going in and out or the antenna signal might be dropping and it and the mic is cutting in and out. What would you do? Uh, well, once again, this is just going to go back to what you said at the beginning. It's different for every yep. church setting. Yep. So I am answering this from what I would do. That's why I asked, what would you yeah. do? <laughs> so it's during his message... And we're, like, and we're like halfway through. Yeah, and so we still got maybe 20 minutes left of the message or whatever. And yeah, and as a sound technician, you want to be like as least disruptive yep. as you can as well. So knowing that, what I would probably do is 
it'd probably be something that was intermittently happening, right? You kind of said that. Yes, we are fortunate but enough. But the first half. Yeah. We are fortunate enough that we do have a semi-spare yep. wireless pack yep. available. So I would probably do a little bit of behind-the-scenes testing of that. I'd basically be doing a line check mm-hmm. without putting it through the PA. Mm-hmm. And then I'd, I probably would walk up, interfere, I mean, interrupt, interfere. I guess. Interrupt. Nice, yep. Gently interrupt. Yep. And he, our pastor would be aware, too, at the time, yep. like, what's going on, enough that he would know why I was there. And then I would just swap the packs. Would you keep the I same microphone? I probably would keep the same microphone. What if at that it was point. a microphone and you thought it was the pack? I know. That's where <laughs> that's where troubleshooting is. Yeah. Is I can only change one piece and that's it's and more And I see the pack is way easier and faster. Yes, it's more disruptive to be like, "Hey, let's take off your headset and put this other yeah, headset so you're, on." Yeah, you use a headset microphone. Yeah. Yep. So So in yeah. that instance that's where I'm like, okay, I tested this. Then at that point, I know, oh, it is the microphone. And then what would you do? And then, hopefully then, there's only t- <laughs> 10 minutes left on the timer. And if it's intermittent, yeah. I don't know. I might leave it for that service. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, wireless handheld or something. Just yeah. walk that over and say, I'm so sorry, but here's your microphone. Yeah. I, how would you handle a similar situation? Um, because I, I really do believe it's more disruptive to do a headset swap. Oh, for sure. For sure. I honestly, I, again, it's really tough to like... If you don't know in the you moment. You don't know. With that said, I can see on our board, we also run mic board, and I can see if a microphone is cutting out based on RF or the antenna is cutting in and out. Yeah. Or the signal, like the antennas, the RF is staying strong and the actual audio is cutting in and out. Well, you would see the, yeah, I guess that's true. You wouldn't necessarily know if it's the audio or the signal from the soundboard either. Our soundboard, you can see that. But most soundboards, you would not see. You would just see, oh, the audio signal is going in and out. But you don't know if that's because of the microphone or because of the RF. Right. On our CL5, we've got our sure microphones tied in so we can see RF on the board. We also run mic board so we can see that RF and audio signals. With that said, I would probably quickly just look at that real quick to see like, okay, is it RF or is it audio? I may switch packs. I will never switch headset mics. And what I would do most likely, no matter what, whether it's RF or audio dropping, I honestly probably would just bring a handheld out. Just to start so right away. Yeah. That's it. And never come back out again. Yeah. Because one, I don't want to come out more than once. Yeah. Two, headset mics are very sensitive. They're more sensitive than a handheld. And I don't know what that gain is on that body pack versus the old body pack. Yeah. I and I don't know any of that stuff. And the actual channel that this other body pack might be plugged into, the EQ might be completely different. 
compressor might be di- everything might be completely different. That's where I have it. So then plan to I be need separate. to now before I turn his mic on, copy and paste the old channel to the new channel, which can be done. It's relatively quick, but it's just more time that the pastor is now speaking without sound, basically. Yeah. So I honestly probably would just grab a handheld microphone, run it out there, not talk to them at all. Yeah. You just and just boom, switch it. Our pastor is uh, very wise and very smart and very um, good with technology. And he kind of knows that type of stuff. So he's probably, he would just not even stop. We've talked about this before with anyone on stage. They don't make attention to anything. They don't call out the production team for anything. They don't make note of anything. The show must go on. They just talk as if there was no problem. Yep. Knowing, because they trust us, that we are going, we're, we're on top of it. We know that there's a problem, probably long before he did. And we're trying to figure it out and we are addressing it and we're going to fix it somehow. Yeah. So yeah, so that's probably what I would do is just quickly run out a handheld, get through the rest of the service and that's it. It's just way easier. Handhelds are a little more forgiving. So if your handheld goes bad. Shut it down and go home. <laughs> we have a lot of microphones, so we yeah, could just yeah. keep, we could just keep bringing them out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, quickly talk on. I said video. Let's talk like pro presenter and computer type video issues because there's audio computers as well. So I think when we started the podcast off with this, if it's a computer related issue, I would one I would quickly check any sort of like within the computer type thing that might be causing the problem, not take very much time if it's like close other programs that aren't necessary. And then I would quickly do a restart. Restart is like number two on my list or like one and a half. It's like right on top because as funny as it might sound and as much as you might not want to admit it or do it, restarting a device a computer, 99% of the time fixes the problem. Yeah, it's holding some like cached data. Yeah. That's just sitting there and it's like, I need to take a little snooze. Yep. Yeah, so that is like very high on my my list. Now, obviously, if we're in a service, restarting a computer is pretty uh, dramatic or it could be depending on what it is. Depending on what the computer's running. For you and I, our ProPresenter computers are also running our lighting. Yep. So that would be pretty dramatic to lose lighting in a service. Yep. Or, you know, a Waves computer, you know, depending on what's patched in, you might not have sound if you, you know, restart the computer. So one, you need to realize, okay, what is this computer doing? And also, what is it not doing because it's broken? And is it, did I accidentally trip over a cable and unplug something and that's why it's not working? Obviously, a restart is not going to fix that. Did did um, somebody during the week jack with the computer that they shouldn't have and they, they messed it up? Hopefully, before your rehearsal and before your service, you've caught maybe something like that. Yeah, sometimes I guess we kind of glanced over it with line check. It's like, that also applies to 
like your computer system, yeah. your video system. Yep. It's line check, but it's a different type of it's line a check. Line. It's a video line versus it's an a, audio line. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're checking to see do I have the video signal yep. in the right places yep. and blah, blah, blah. Do I have all my cameras? Do I have my computers? Do I have all my projectors, all my TVs? Um, are all my lights on? Are you know, all that all that is still considered line check and should be done. Before, before the, the band, band arrives. And arrives. Yes. Just because yeah. we start with audio doesn't mean that video and lighting don't need uh, their to own do line that. check. Right. So yeah, it's super critical and super important to like do all this type of stuff before anybody arrives. Yeah. So then when people arrive, you're not sweating and figuring things out and not figuring things out and stressed and it can mess up the rest of the rehearsal and the whole service, depending on if you can let it go and move on or you hold on to that frustration until service. And you're just like, oh, this is so frustrating. I know it was an hour ago, but like, oh, I'm so frustrated. And it's just like, it can mess you up. So get all that stuff done before anyone arrives. Makes your life way easier. And what I've learned is that it helps to have great systems in place. That's why you don't want to have yes. like the janky jury rigged setup every week. Are you talking like uh, a cable that might not be the right connector? So you add like 16 adapters, 10 adapters to get to your uh, VGA or HDMI yeah, cable that's or not whatever. Smart. Yeah. But yeah, great systems, whether that's audio, video or lighting, yep. any, or computing, just the way it's organized. like Organization and making sure things are clean makes a huge difference. Yeah. You don't need a 50-foot cable to run 10 feet. Right. I'm going to say that again. You don't need a 50-foot cable to run 10 feet. Get clean a, it up. Get a 10-foot cable to run 10 feet or a 12-foot cable to run 10 feet. Yeah. Or even better yet, depending on the type of cable... Start making your own cables. And you Be don't need a 50-foot cable to go one foot like in a rack. Right. Like that's what yeah. that gets me annoyed yep. the most easily is yep. when I see a super long cable somewhere. Yeah, so all of my... I have not uh, ventured out to making my own audio cables, but all of my SDI lines and all my network lines, I can't remember the last time I bought a already pre-made cable as far as network versus yeah, and bulk. SDI. I buy bulk cable and I make my own cables because if I need a, a foot and a half cable, I don't want to buy a, I'm not going to probably find a two foot cable. So I'm, therefore I'm buying a three foot cable. It's twice as long. Oh yeah. At and least. So I will make my own cables. It's not that hard. And you can do it and it will clean things up. And when things are clean and not tangled up and not in a big knot, things tend to work better. One thing that I, I learned from, uh, I should say another thing I learned from MixU is to never run. Yep, don't do it. Unless the building is on fire, don't run. And I'm, I know I've said this in previous episodes, but it is super important to never run. And this is for multiple reasons. One, especially if you're a staff member, people at the church know who you are. 
And if they see you running, there's probably an emergency or something's wrong. Whether it affects the people that see you or not, they now notice there's an emergency. There's our brains and we, and our way that we think, we look at the church service completely different than everybody that attends a service. We know what is supposed to happen and what's not supposed to happen. Most people don't know, don't know that. that. They just see what is currently happening. And there could be an issue, but people actually don't realize it's an issue and they just think that is how it's supposed to be done. But if you're running, now, that, now there's an emergency or something's wrong. Secondly, if you're running and, and it's within your worship center space, you've now created a, a, a bigger distraction or another distraction that who knows what maybe the audience or a particular person was feeling yeah. at that time. You've now broken that feeling or that thought to that person to now draw attention to yourself. And I would also say probably lastly, if it takes you, let's say 30 seconds to walk front of house to stage, 30 seconds to walk, you're running, you make it in 10 seconds or 12 seconds. I don't know. I don't even know if it's that much faster. It's faster. Or a, or a, a very brisk walk. Yeah. Um, you make it faster. One, it uh, eliminates time for you to troubleshoot in, your, in your brain because one, you're getting there faster and you can trip over something. So you could cause it even bigger, bigger distraction. Bigger distraction. So you're taking the time that you could walk and gather your thoughts to running less time to think and possibly tripping over something. So do not run. More time to get injured. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess with video, when I'm thinking of video as far as on a computer, I guess this is more of just a generalization or a realization or uh, something I've observed is that it does seem to be that the computer will most likely be the cause of like video outputs or things like that, not being in the right place mm. or like changing. Yeah. Like pro presenter output, pro presenter output stuff. Like it worked last week and I it come worked in. last week and now it's flip flopped Yeah, or whatever. Yep. Which a restart, I would say, can, fix, can that. fix that. And I, I've seen lots of times where it doesn't fix that. But sometimes it's as simple as, I mean, even if you're like a portable thing, portable church, maybe you've just simply plugged in one cable to one port yep. and the other and it's swapped. So then you just swap it. Yep. We get that. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot, and especially now because we've, we've had our multi-site set up uh, Teardown Campus for just over a year now. Actually, it's like a year and a half. Yeah. But early on, there were times where like a cable got swapped. Um, it's pretty easily done. And we're like, why doesn't this work? And sure enough, it's like, oh, this was swapped. So or, that can happen. And I found when you have two monitors, which, you know, at your own like computer workstation, this is great. You want If you're going to have two monitors and not an ultra wide monitor, it's great to have the same monitor. Yeah. But those usually have the same name. So every time you log in, mm. it doesn't necessarily always remember like 
This is the this one that's on the left. Right. Yeah. So you have to remember to change the configuration in the actual computer settings yep. of your output. Yep. That being said, I'm kind of talking this lane for like a smaller church who might be using two outputs off of a computer just for like operator and projector. Yeah. And that's it. That's it. Yep. Or maybe it's a laptop and it's one, you have your laptop screen, screen yep. projector confidence. Yep. This is where having a system like the Decklink Duo card mm-hmm. has really helped improve like our workflow in every space that yep. I've had it installed. It's just like it just remembers. Like I don't well, have and, to it's and digital with, with the deck link, the computers don't actually see those as outputs. Yeah. So if it's a laptop or just a computer with one operator monitor, that's all the computer sees. So it can't switch your screens around. Yeah. So uh, only pro presenter would see the deck link card and so yeah, it's it's kind of hard for Windows or Apple to flip your monitors when they don't see Doesn't it. Doesn't see it. So yeah, that's uh But as far as like a practical tip, yeah. that system has really helped alleviate that like yep. that aspect of troubleshooting like it worked yesterday, I was here for a rehearsal. Yeah. Why isn't it working yep. today? I would also say like I think a decklink card, that whole system is it's important on all types of computers, but I would say it's even more important for a laptop if you're like constantly unplugging the computer and taking it, whether you're taking it to your office or you're taking it home to work on stuff. Because then you are always or every week you're unplugging your video outputs and you're plugging those video outputs back in when you when you come back versus the deck link, like, like I just said, Windows and Apple don't see those as outputs and it's one cable plug that sucker in and ProPresenter will remember like, oh, yep, these are your outputs. So another little personal tip, I'm going to call it. Personal tip. I don't, I don't, observation, tip isn't the right word even, but I think audio troubleshooting is actually way easier than troubleshooting video stuff. What do you think? Hmm. So I feel like there's more, like, because video stuff could be integrated with, like, a computer. And I'm talking, like, a basic audio system. I'm not talking about pulling in Dante audio or utilizing. I would probably agree with you. Like, once you add in all those digital components, then it becomes more difficult with audio. I would probably agree with you because audio signal flow is pretty uh, simple when you really think about it. And if you're running a relatively simple system, uh, it probably does not involve a computer. And once you introduce computers, that's where things you go. introduce possible more possibly more issues. Yeah. So yeah, I think I would agree with you because like on video, more specifically like ProPresenter, you're introducing a computer and everybody thinks that they can run a computer. But there's just so many settings within a computer that could add to the troubleshooting. And most people think that they know what those settings are. And people start doing the clicking rabbit hole and they just start clicking. And before you know it, it's like, 
whoa. What changed? What did I just do? Yeah. And versus like, it doesn't work on the soundboard. I'd say at least my, like personally, like our uh, audio apps, like if something's not patched right, they might know what the problem is. They're not super comfortable fixing that problem because they know they can click too much things or too many things. And with Dante, because we run Dante, and they know like Dante controller and all that stuff, and they could probably find the problem. They don't feel comfortable clicking, and I don't blame them. And I almost don't want them to because it's a, it's, you can make things worse, worse before you know it. And I think people are more comfortable on a computer because, you know, just about everybody has a computer nowadays. Yeah. They feel like they can do their own troubleshooting. And again, before you know it, it's like, dude, really? This isn't even close to being right. Why would you even click here? Well, I was clicking here and I clicked there and then I did this and I'm like, oh boy, yeah. here we go. So yes, I would agree. When, when you break it down to like super basic components, yeah. once yeah. you add in the complexities of each area, it gets yep. worse and worse for yep. each one. How do you how do you teach or train critical thinking? That's why we're talking here at this podcast. I'm <laughs> trying to gain some insights. Yeah, because, because like we have we have problems. Wouldn't it be great if you could just snap your fingers and immediately you'd get people more involved at your church? Picture it. People would press in during worship. They'd be fully focused during your sermons, and they would be excited to hear announcements. This is the wish of many churches because we all know the struggles of getting the attention of our community. That's where our friends at Church Motion Graphics can help. CMG equips churches with a large library of eye-catching graphics for worship, sermons, announcements, and more that will help you get attention and move your community forward in their faith. With just a few clicks, your church can start looking great, reaching more people and getting more involvement than ever. Head over to churchmotiongraphics.com today. Or we see them as problems. We're trying to troubleshoot. There might be a a ProPresenter operator that doesn't know that doesn't actually know that there's a problem. They're just hitting the space bar. They might know the signal, the signal chain, like we talked about first thing uh, in this this podcast. But how do you teach them to be aware and all of that stuff? That's where <laughs> I'm. That's my goal this year, really, yeah. with the team. Is like, because you are right. On one hand, they are volunteers coming in to serve in. A function. Yeah. They're not going to know all the ins and outs, but it sure does make our job easier and just overall like community better when we're all speaking the same lingo and can kind of like know, all right, there's something wrong. How do we fix it? Yep. And I love team players who want to jump in to help fix it versus someone who's just like, I don't know. I'm going to walk away. It's hard hard to troubleshoot a problem if you don't know that there's a problem. Yeah. And it starts with being aware that there's a problem. So I think I don't really have a good answer either, but I think 
first, it comes down to communication. Communicating the vision of this weekend, this particular weekend. Okay, this is what we're trying to achieve. This is what we're going to do. This is what we want it to look like. This is what we want it to sound like. We just added a new lower thirds graphic, maybe. Like letting your team know, like, Things Something that, slightly different. Yeah, things that you have changed that they might be used to and more aware of. Uh, let them know like, hey, we're doing it this way this week. And I think one, it boils down to communication and letting them know stuff. I think a lot of it, if you don't communicate, it's like they are just pushing a space bar because that's all you basically have communicated to them. Yeah. Hit the space bar when they're singing the words. Hit the space bar to play this video. Hit the space bar to go through the message slides. Hit the space fo- space bar when they dismiss. So they'll know when the space bar doesn't work, but they right. won't know ProPresenter right. as far as the ins and out of it. Correct. So if all you've communicated is your job is to hit the space bar at the right time, they're going to be probably, hopefully, good at hitting the space bar and they'll know when the space bar doesn't work They're not going to know anything else. So I try to always communicate to my team like, hey, when you click the first slide of this song, the background is going to change. The lights are going to change. You are advancing playing center live. There's a lot of things when you click this particular slide. When you click this video slide, this is what happens. The lights change. The video plays some of the channels on the soundboard automatically come up, uh, that type of stuff. When you click the message slide, the first slide, the pastor's mic automatically comes up and turns the TV on for our preaching display and it changes the center screen lyric banner. So like I try to communicate all that stuff to them and not necessarily to, to have them change things or to know how to change things, but they but can make they, you aware of it. But if, when they click on it and the lights don't change, they're like, oh, Benji said when I click this slide, the lights are supposed to change and they're not. I don't know how to fix it. And that's fine. But I'm aware that there's an issue because I've been communicated. This is what this is supposed to do when I operate this. Yeah. So I don't know if that's, I mean, it's part of an answer. It's but part of an answer, but uh, that's definitely one of my goals this year is yeah. to just, and it's not to say someone is not like a smart person either. It's just, yeah. it's just, you're not aware of what you don't know. You yeah. Know? Here's, here's another thing that I'm going to start doing this year actually is, and this is really tough for probably a lot of churches with s- uh, smaller production teams is up until this year, I have trained my team, except for my audio guys. Basically, my video and pro presenter operators, a lot of them run everything video-wise and pro presenter-wise. So one month, they might be a camera op. The The next next month, month, they're running pro presenter. The next month, they're running video switcher. The next month, they're back to camera or a different camera. And... I think that's necessary when you have a smaller team because you have less volunteers and in order to pull off uh, stuff and pull off a weekend, you might, people might need to be on shared roles. 
I am getting away from that this year. And I am training specific people on specific things and that's it. Because I feel like it's better to know something really well versus a lot of things semi-well. Semi-well. So that's one of the things I'm doing this year. And that might get into that awareness because now they know that piece of equipment even more. Because when you think about it, like that, uh, that example I just gave, they run camera on January, whatever. They're not running that camera until Mar- April or March. If they're run, it'd yeah. be April. So video camera in January, pro presenter in February, video switcher, March, and then camera in April. And it could be a different camera. That's a long time for a volunteer that serves once a month, you to know, not to, to know something. the equipment. Yeah. If they're serving once a month, they're not touching that, that, that same camera for another four or five months after the fact. Yeah. That's a long time for when they have a day job and families. So I'm going this new direction and training on specific equipment. One direction. And that's it. One direction. Sponsor. It's a good band name. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, just to bounce back, I'm doing a similar thing. I've been doing that, actually. Mm-hmm. The one direction way where someone usually runs camera one is running camera one most yep. of the time. But I'm actually trying to allow a little bit of freedom for them to like change roles, too. Yeah. So I'm kind of going slightly the opposite, the opposite yeah. way. But with more of the I'm going to call them all-star players yeah. who like want to know more yeah. about other areas too. Yeah. And it's I'm not taking the direction of if they want to learn more not training them. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will still train them on other equipment and I believe, I think, because this is still new, I won't actually put them in that position unless there's a backup and it, I'm in need. Yeah. But they've been trained. Yep. But they really know this other piece oh, of yeah. gear. Yeah. That's their, so, that's their home base. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I did this year, or sorry, last year, keep forgetting we're like in a new yeah, year Yeah, that's now. weird. Last year, which was a game changer. Okay? Tell me. You ready? A QR code. Uh, oh yeah. That brings up a production checklist. checklist. This is a game changer that every single church should do. Every single church. And it's a checklist. It's QR code, so it's all digital. It's not paper. We used to do paper, but we are now in 2023 where paper's not cool anymore. It's really not. So we have QR codes at most of our stations. And all of our team members, they walk up before like before line check, basically, and they QR code, take a picture of that, and it brings up a checklist. And this checklist is nothing fancy. It's really big and it's it took a lot of time to build out, but it's on Google Forms. So like I said, nothing fancy. It's free. It uh, brings up a uh, drop-down list where they select their name and then it takes them to another question that says, is this for Manuka or Morse campus? 
Then it takes them to, is this pre-service or post-service? Like turn on or shut down yeah, or clean up. And then it takes them to, are you running or what position are you on? Audio front of house, audio broadcast, camera one, camera two, video op, whatever it might be. And then it gives them a checklist of everything that they need to do or confirm that it's working or settings are set correctly and all that. And since implementing that, our uh, issues have gone way down. Yeah. Way down. Because it also creates awareness for those volunteers. Like we were just talking about awareness. That creates awareness because now they are actively looking at, oh, my camera uh, needs to be at 4,500K. Yeah. It needs to be at um, 59.94. It needs whatever it might be. And Likely that setting on most of those things hasn't changed, but it's also just... Uh, well, one of our cameras we use for announcement videos and we film those settings completely change. So like camera-wise, yeah, yeah it, it can change. You know, pro presenter, it confirms that the lights, that, that all the appropriate programs are open. It confirms that lights change when we click a slide. It also confirms that our pitch control works. So they communicate with the audio team to make sure when I click the slide, it changes the pitch control. So it, it has been a game changer with all of our volunteers that are now putting more responsibility on them to make sure things are working and all that stuff. And it doesn't take a super long time. I'd say most positions, uh, this checklist takes less than five minutes to do. So for its entirety. And then they do it again, same picture, same drop down, select their name, select their campus. And then they'll do post-service for the end of service. And it's making sure like all your stuff is shut down correctly. Your workspace is clean all that type of stuff. And uh, it's been awesome. So I highly recommend if you do not have a checklist, a checklist of some sort, paper or digital, make a checklist. It, it will change your department and your volunteers drastically. And at first I had some pushback because you're like, because I've got, I've got team members that have been operating and are serving with me for, for years, for longer than I've been on staff actually. Like they know this stuff like the back of their hand. And I'm like, I understand that. And I appreciate that. And I know that you know this equipment. This is still the direction that we're going. They're like, okay, okay, no problem. And they do it every single time that they serve. So it's awesome. So go make a checklist if you don't have a checklist. Okay. It will eliminate. Make it happen. It will eliminate troubleshooting and it will raise awareness that's how you break it down just like that raise awareness and understand troubleshooting and try to eliminate troubleshooting yeah well that yeah follow us on instagram at technology in worship podcast be sure to uh shoot us a question on there if uh we will we will start doing that uh in future podcasts we'll answer those questions and Uh, We appreciate all of you guys and go make your checklists. See ya. Bye.